The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. First Saturday in November brings plenty of showdowns for the first time they have college football playoff rankings beside them. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, November 3rd. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Stanford Steve here. Looking forward to making some picks with you gentlemen. Steve, the fridge on game day has scuffled around a little bit, but you continue to distance yourself from the field, it appears, in terms of uh, making picks here on the pod. Just have happy to have somewhere else to go, Reese. You know, the Saturdays is stare down at the fridge, and I uh, am happy to see your guys' faces and be able to give some give some thoughts and, and actually give some winners and be over five hundred. That's that's the goal. Pete, what do you have to say for yourself? I, I thought uh, I'd at least get uh, an absent week. team. I'd at least get all my fa- – like, I'd at least get some blanket like all favorites or all underdogs. I should have probably raised my hand for that. But deserved goose egg. Uh, cold when I opened the email yesterday. Deserved goose egg. So 20 games under. I uh, I might as well just uh, buy you guys a steak in Tuscaloosa this week because <laughs> that's, 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 where, that's where we're headed. So Having uh, – having- I'm sure neither of you are familiar with this being from different environs. But when I was a kid, there was this guy who had a very popular radio syndication segment that people would uh, run on various stations uh, late in the week during the college football season. And he was a gentleman called Leonard Post Hostess and Leonard would pick losers. He also had a he also had a newsletter that went out weekly to that you could find at the gas station. And it was a, you know, it was a corny thing. It was kind of hilarious. Like he would refer, uh, like for instance, as he would give his thing in his very Southern accent, he would say, uh, you know, something like, uh, the Gainesville swamp lizards, you know, as opposed to the alligators and call them the Tuscaloosa pachyderms and the, you know, all, all of that. And he would go through this whole thing. And then he would get to the end after he broke down out was going to happen. It's always based on the mascots or traditions or history or whatever. And he would get to the end and he would go, Leonard's losers in a close one. That meant closer than the experts think. And within the spread, <laughs> he would go Leonard's and he picked the losers as opposed to picking the winners. So I, I wanted to give you the, uh, the benefit of the doubt and think that perhaps you were channeling your inner Leonard's a loser and and going zero and eight, which I'm now jinxing myself to go zero and whatever this week. I think we need to, we need to know that uh, our intrepid producer Taylor has been challenged because we thought he did a spot on impression of me a couple weeks ago when I was uh, absent on the podcast. But Ty Schmidt threw down the gauntlet yesterday. Taylor, he <laughs> threw down the gauntlet. All right, hand gestures, the whole thing. Um, he did not have the obscure staffer uh, references that that sort of defined your impersonation, but I think I think he covered the spread in the uh, in the in the Thamel impersonation off. Uh, was that was that fun, Pete, or did it make you? Did it oh make, no, it was I mean, fun. You're you're a fun. good sport. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. It was you're it was, a great sport. But what what was what was that like right there? It was a little weird. Um, <laughs> Uh, I just started getting all these texts with like crying emojis, like for like an hour. And then I finally like stopped and like looked at it. And then I watched it. And it, I will say this, Pat did call me that morning and said, 
one of our staffers is going for you as Halloween. I wanted you to know. And I said, oh, who? Because at first I thought about Boston Connor. Um, yeah. And we don't exactly look alike. We certainly don't have the same hairstylist. And uh, <laughs> he said the talented one. And I said, oh, it's going to be Ty. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. Ty's good. So I'm glad Lou Holtz was not offended that, that Ty cheated. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> How about the, the the great thing about uh, Ty Schmidt's impression of Lou talking to Lou is that Lou sat there and answered the questions, oh. except for the one reference of I hope my lisp is not as bad as yours. Other than that, uh, Lou sat there as if he were talking to me or someone else, you know, it was like never acknowledging until that one time. I rewatched last night because I missed it live when uh, uh, Ryan Day from Ohio State went to the set and talked to fake Lou. Uh I was dying laughing. He was like, I just decided to go home and watch Matlock. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only that's the only miss, because I I know this shows my age and I know it shows my uh, rather unusual uh, affinity for old TV. I discovered something about Lou that he and I have in common every night for him. And most every night for me, I flip on the old black and white Perry Mason's. So it's not Matlock that Lou loves. It's Perry Mason. You watch Perry Mason every night, Reese. Not not every night, most every night. Like you get in bed right before you go to sleep, you flip it on. It's, it's, it's calming because everybody on Perry Mason, even the criminals have a conscience. And at the end, you know, if they when when Perry figures out who really did the killing, there are a few exceptions where the guy will go and he deserved it, you know, but most of the time, you know, there's this overwhelming moment where they realize the magnitude of what they've done by committing murder, um, you know, so and they get on top of it. And, you know, do you have I those like, saved like on a, like a good whodunit? Huh? Do you have those saved on DVR? Or no, no, man. Pl- you could go to. No, Pluto TV. Pluto TV, if you're an okay. old school TV aficionado, they have like um, channel after channel. Like, I love the Andy Griffith show, too. There's a channel. All it shows is Andy Griffith. Jay Billis wow. loves the Brady Bunch. He can go to Pluto huh. and just watch Brady Bunch after Brady Bunch after Brady Bunch after Brady Bunch. And they do it with all of them. They're like old Westerns. They're, um, you know, they're, they're, I think they've even got like one that does like all Judge Judy's. Or something wow. like that. It's Jim uh, Harbaugh would like well, it. Yeah. He's, a, he's like, a huge like Judge Judy fan. He's he probably behind fan. on those right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if Judge Judy of- came out in favor of Jim Harbaugh, like it made a statement about this, that would actually make this thing like, yeah, that would. That, that that's would, what it, the NCAA should do. They should just haul <laughs> Connor Stallions in in front of Judge Judy and oh. we'll get it all figured out. Get to the bottom of it in an hour. Probably do a better job than the IRP did with uh, the basketball scandal. <sighs> That's a great idea. So I was in, Steve will appreciate this. I was in the Stanford football office um, doing a spring story for Sports Illustrated the day Harbaugh was at or on Judge Judy. And like David Shaw walks out, looks, there's like a TV in the hallway, looks at it, crosses his arms, looks at me, shakes his head, walks back <laughs> in his office. And it was like, how to say everything without opening your mouth. It was like, it was one of those moments where I was like, did that just happen? And he was like, look. And I was like, whoa. And he goes, it just walks back. <laughs> We're going to make picks after all, all right. of this. I won't even <laughs> have to pick my favorite show on Pluto TV, um, which, you know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, you've, you've learned more about me than I really care to reveal. 
at this point. So I guess uh, this is the time when I probably should remind you that Weekend Preview is brought to you by Eckridge Smoked Sausage. The secret to winning game days this college football season is Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Visit Eckridge.com for dozens of simple mouth-watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate. Taylor, what do you have for us, kid? Let's make some picks. Reese, what a wholesome fact we all just learned about you. I mean, it really fits, doesn't it, yeah. Taylor? Adding to the legend of Reese Davis. Unbelievable <laughs> here. Um, all right, let's pick some games. Paul Race Drake. Paul Drake would also get to the bottom of all of these. He's a great private investigator. <laughs> you put him on this case and uh, less than an hour with commercial time. He's to the bottom of it. Get you all the evidence you need right there. That'll do it. He'd pick some winners. Uh, Steve still picking winners here. Five and three. I tell everyone I know, listen to Steve's picks on the podcast. That's where it's at. Reese, you won 500 Pete, the, uh, the goose egg, as mentioned previously, Steve, eight games over 500 Reese, three under and Pete way back, but still a nice guy at heart. Um, first game up, let's go Kansas state at Texas, Texas, a four point favorite that kicks off at noon Eastern. Let's go Reese, Steve, Pete. How about the resurgence of the Kansas State Wildcats, sort of given up after winning the Big 12 last year? Uh, this year, lost a couple of games early, only one of them in conference. Now there's a five-way tie atop the Big 12, and Kansas State, what do you know, is right in the middle of it. Uh, the week after, Houston played Texas to a touchdown game, probably still smarting from that, so you don't want to overreact, but Kansas State beat them 41 to nothing. Mm. They haven't given up a touchdown in their last two games. Uh, they have a top 25 rush defense, and with Texas, we assume, again, playing Malik Murphy at quarterback, might be a little bit more reliant on the running game, which has been very good for them. The one thing I will say is that for all of the things Kansas State has accomplished under Chris Kleiman, they're over Texas. And in fact, predating him, they haven't beaten them since 2016. That's six straight wins for the Horns. Kansas State's doing the less of the two-quarterback thing, I think. It seems like Will Howard sort of found his footing after throwing three picks in that lost Oklahoma State. Hasn't thrown one since. Um, Texas had some trouble with Dylan Gabriel running, and Kansas State's certainly going to run the quarterback, whether it's Will Howard most of the time or Avery Johnson. Both of them have found the end zone six times. There is a ton, or there are a ton of things pointing toward Kansas State in this game, and I can't do it. I'm going to take the horns and lay the four. Mm, wow, that was that was leading all in the signs of Kansas State. Uh, you touched you on Kansas. Too much time with Corso, you can tell <laughs> he likes the Okie doke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a great call. I look at uh, you mentioned all the stuff about Kansas State, what they do, what they do well. I also, you know. I just think it's a sign of a great coaching staff. I really do to see this team always ascending uh, and, and the way they've done it. And now with the portal, those guys, too, have had guys taken. They've gotten guys in. And on the other side, you look at Texas's defense, where the only time they let up more than 24 was that loss to Oklahoma. So with Malik back at quarterback uh, for a second straight week, it, it, all signs point to that. Uh, Pete can update if, if that's different. I think it's a real low-scoring game. I, I really do. But the way... Uh, Texas is going to want to get Malik involved in that run game and stay with the run game with the two guys they have. I'm going to take the four. I'm going to take the points with Kansas State. I think it's a field goal game, and um, the the Cats keep it close. You ever notice the inordinate amount of times Steve like takes the team to uh, to cover but not win when it's a small point spread? Like I feel like you do that just like almost every time. So I'm just going to say Kansas State's going to win this football game. 
This mm. is just like classic, like right from Central Coast. First of all, it, Reese brought this up, and I think it's an unbelievable stat that needs to be expounded on a little bit. Kansas State has not allowed a touchdown in two games against a Bryles and a Holgerson. Mm. All right. Now, I don't mm-hmm. care who they are, where they are, wh- what personnel they have. Those are not two dudes that don't score touchdowns. Right. So I really feel like. Joe Klanderman is on point right now, and he's got a backup quarterback who's shown some to be a little bit prone to, to poor decisions. And there's an offensive line that on paper was supposed to be better, but has shown some fits of porousness this year. So I also want to see Avery Johnson in this game. Uh, now, again, Chris Kleiman is the best coach in the Big 12, right? Mm-hmm. Like the guy's won a bunch of national championships. He's an elite team builder he's done a great job getting this team better throughout the season which is a sign of a high 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 end coach the insertion of avery johnson that was in that texas tech game correct when he came in and ran for five touchdowns Mm -hmm. yes was uh that guy was electric man like that was like a rare he had like a braxton millery burst it was different like i i really like and again you guys brought up the, the great point about texas's struggles with a running quarterback i wouldn't be surprised to see him in spots see him creatively um, Colin Klein obviously knows a lot about running quarterbacks and how to use them. So, mm. um, again, it, it, fascinating collision of O for Texas versus this, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to k- take K state for the win. And since I'm 20 games below 500, and made no good predictions. I'll just dangle out there that I did pick K state preseason to win the big 12. All right. Again, Texas A&M heading to Ole Miss. Ole Miss at three and a half point favorite. Lane Kiffin needling in the press conference this week. That kicks <laughs> off at noon. Let's go Steve, Pete, Reese. Well, first and foremost, we have game day implications on this one. Correct, gentlemen? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Sure. There's always a side that tends to lead a certain way when those are involved. Uh, I just look at Ole Miss, and I get it. Everybody says they're underappreciated. They only have the one loss to Bama, where they did play their worst game of the year. But I think that was because Bama dictated what was going to happen in that game. Uh, you know, you look at the wins: seven-point win over Arkansas, seven-point win over Auburn. It's a you know, it's still a two-possession game in the fourth quarter against Vanderbilt last week. I just feel like when you look at this matchup in the way A&M, A&M's got some dudes on defense. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the offense and the head coach, but they had some guys uh, up front that are that are really, really playing well, all, all SEC level. Again, I, I, it's, it's a field goal game to me, uh, and if it's three and a half, I'm taking the underdog here uh, with A&M. I just feel like the capability up front is better, and I don't like the matchup for Ole Miss on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So give me the Aggies plus the points. Man, just ride, riding hard with Texas A&M, Steve. Um, yeah, I can't do it, man. I just can't do it. This this would fit in the uh, – we have to get this this bit sponsored, but it would fit in that Pepto-Bismol, like, churn game. <laughs> Ole Miss is up 21 nothing in the first quarter, and I'd be like, oh, my God, why did I possibly pick Texas A&M in this? We, you know, you're looking at someone who's – a team whose rush offense is, is 98th in the country. Their pass offense is 42nd. Like, they – do have a, uh, a a fairly solid defense, um, especially when it comes to scoring defense. So I, I, I guess total yardage defense. So I, I do give DJ Durkin credit for that, but I just don't think they will be able to move the ball at the same pace Ole Miss can move the ball. It's it's pretty pretty simple math for me here, and I'm not I am not going to overthink it, and I am not going to be reaching for tums uh, come come Saturday afternoon. You you guys have have hit the big statistical things. This is a this is a mindset game more than anything else. Everything in me 
wants to go along with Steve. I mean, it's like the old Digger Phelps thing. He goes, smell it. Smell the ups. Smell it. I smell it. I smell Ole Miss, you know, face planting here in this. But the stronger part of me, I think, against A&M, you know, it was like A&M came in there a couple of years ago and couldn't get it done, should mm-hmm. have, kind of, you know, sloppy on offense, couldn't finish drives. I, I I think the Ole Miss defense is, you know, pretty average at best, but, you know, A&M's offense has been far from fixed. Um, there, I think there will be a lot of consternation in College Station, particularly after what Taylor referenced of Lane Kiffin sort of in the in low-talking lane mode, mm-hmm. giving them the little jab about, you know, well, we're you know back around the top 10, you'd think with all those NFL guys that they've been top 10, but you know they're trying to get bowl eligible. We'd like to stop them from that. It's like, Okay, wow. You know, you know, it was uh it was it was pretty funny. I don't know how intentional it was or if he just sort of started sort of started talking and didn't stop. But um I I don't I don't really totally trust either of these teams. Mm. But I think I'm going to I'm going to go Ole Miss and say they at least set up a a potential uh potential game day situation in Athens next week. That is not set. Doesn't mean if you're listening, doesn't mean if Ole Miss wins, definitely going to Athens. Just means that that is a really attractive destination. If so, but I'm going to go with Hottie Toddy and say that they that they win it 24-20, likely because A&M's driving for the win and fumbles or drop kicks mm. the ball out of bounds or something on fourth down or snaps it over the quarterback's head. Something will something will go wrong and they'll snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. We'll hand Steve the Tums in the office in uh, Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I hope all the Tyler from Spartanburg show up for this matchup with Notre Dame coming to town, a three-point favorite at Clemson. This game kicks off at noon Eastern. Let's go Pete, Reese, Steve. My pick is going to be simple. Uh, This Notre Dame team is not exponentially different than last year's Notre Dame team. I might think it might be a little bit, a little bit better. Um, certainly the, uh, the, the injury to Mitchell Evans hurts mm. Notre Dame. So I don't want to, I don't want to discount that. But last year after this game, 35-14 Irish, quote, they just physically kicked our butt, period, the end, Dabo Sweeney said. They absolutely dominated us in every aspect of football. And it starts with coaching, tackling, blocking, you name it. It is what it is. So, do we think Clemson has changed enough to a point where they can now out-physical Notre Dame? I don't. So I'm going to take the Irish to win on the road in Death Valley. Yeah, to, to Pete's point, Notre Dame ran for 263 yards last year, and Clemson ran for 90. They mm-hmm. they controlled the line of scrimmage there. I mean, now a guy went for over 100, uh, now plays for LSU. But Notre Dame's got a, a bevy of running backs. Notre Dame is top 10 in the country in turnover margin. Clemson is barely in the top 100. 
They, they've lost 10 fumbles. Uh, only Army and Nebraska have lost more. And one thing when you look at fumbles is you have to say, well, have you been particularly unlucky? Because the statistics will tell you over the course of time that because the ball bounces in peculiar ways, you're going to be right around 50%. So you think, well, maybe they lost 10 of 12. They've been really lucky. They fumbled 16 times. So maybe they've been slightly unlucky. They lost 62% of them. It's way too many. Um, the whole now we go philosophy, now we're mad, now we're really going to play. Maybe one week it's going to happen for Clemson. But I would have thought it might have happened last week against NC State. What I think of Clemson right now is I don't think the program is totally broken. I think Dabo can fix it. I think he will. I, I think they will improve. But I think they are what they are this year. And I think Notre Dame's better. And while I'm really, really almost uh, philosophically against, you know, not taking Clemson in the points at home at Death Valley, I'm going to go with go with name because they're a better team. Pete, what do you got on Shipley? I have not. Uh, I have not. He's in protocol. Is all protocol. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. what. So we'll, we'll probably know that. Uh, we'll probably know that pregame. But that, if you're got investing it. in this game, that's 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 significant. Yeah. That that's what uh, I'm, I'm interested in. Also, just the scene, the scene for a noon kickoff game with all that's happened the last couple of weeks, and knowing the school pride that that Clemson fan base has. Has it been shaken at all? What's happened? I'm really interested to see, um, you know, what that scene is like for a noon kickoff uh, in in at Clemson. So, I, I I agree with all what you guys say. It just feels like uh, Clemson's the right side. I I I I don't really have anything uh, other than I do believe they have the manpower up front to stop that run game. Notre Dame's played against some bad teams recently where that offense has looked really, really uh, good and a lot better than it did against teams that had the caliber of talent on defense like Clemson has. Uh, I also just want to point out Virginia Tech's three and one in the ACC and Clemson's two and four. I, I can't mm -hmm. stop looking at that every day. Um, but let's say Notre Dame wins a one point game. We'll take Clemson plus the points. I, uh, Pete, I mean, uh, Steve, I think this is going to be 16-13. Yeah. I, I, you know, 13-10, something. 20-20 could win this one. Next up, kind of a sad one here. Oklahoma, five-and-a-half-point favorite mm -hmm. at Oklahoma State, the last Big 12 bedlam. Who knows when we'll see these teams play again. Let's hear it from Reese, Steve, and then Pete. Let's make no mistake about this, Taylor. They could play if they wanted to. I yeah, mean, I understand what, what Gundy is saying. It is Oklahoma's decision. They're the ones who left the league. But this is all about uh, hurt feelings and being petty. They could play, and they will at some point. It'll die down, and they'll, they'll decide to play. They call this bedlam, but there's been nothing chaotic about this series historically. It's It's been sane and orderly. Oklahoma wins. That's just the way it goes. 91, 19, and 1. Mike Gundy, everybody gets on Gundy. He's 3-15 and 15 in Bedlam. Um, he lost all four as a player. He did have three wins on the resume as, as the assistant. But then you realize he's been part of nearly a third of their all-time wins against the Sooners. Um, so, relatively speaking, he hasn't been terribly unsuccessful against them. They have found a phenom in Ollie Gordon II. He leads, the, he leads the nation in rushing. He's had back-to-back 250-yard -back games. He 
you know, he is a guy that I remember them talking about when I was there a couple of years ago. And they decided to give him the ball after, you know, they got whooped a couple of times, got whooped by South Alabama, lost to Iowa State, I think. And they've sort of changed because that's what Gundy does. He finds a way to fix it. He's dancing to Thriller in the team meeting yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that, but you really mm. need to have a look at that. Um, you know, this is the thing. I like Oklahoma, not down on them at all. But usually Oklahoma State finds a way not to win this game. I think with the emotion of the final uh, the final bedlam for a while, wanting to send the Sooners off with a fabulous parting gift, and also I think the Pokes know who they are. I'm going to take the Pokes and the points at home, and I'm also going to call the outright win for Oklahoma State. Wow. Ooh. Uh, and stats that don't mean anything for this game, Caleb Williams 0-1 in bedlam, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That was something I was going to say, Steve. They they ended the Lincoln Riley era yeah. with a with a Pokes victory. A little bit different, but they also ended the Big Eight era. The last time they met in the Big Eight before both went to the Big Twelve, Oklahoma State won. So maybe, maybe there's something there too. Yeah. Uh got a chance to talk to Barry Sanders at Monday Night Football this week. I was thinking about this game. And Sorry, him. I didn't hear you over that name drop. Could you say that again? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, they well, just got a little Detroit, loud. There's not other many other names you could drop when you're going to a Lions game than Barry Sanders. <laughs> Chris um, Spielman. Uh, yes, I'm just one guy I wish I got to see, but I, I could not get him. I think he was still working out uh, through the game. <laughs> uh, love Spiels and what they're doing. But um, I, I look at this game, I really, with all the great – uniform combinations Oklahoma State has and Pistol Pete's up there is my favorite one of my favorite mascots I wish they would go back to the Barry Sanders Mike Gundy OSU on the helmet just for this game and those all oranges or something like that would be great uh anyway I I look at Oklahoma State and what they've done and but I they're still giving up a lot of points uh and as as awesome as it's been I, I again it goes back to these coaching staffs and everybody looking at Oklahoma State's schedule you know they didn't have to play Texas uh, coming into the year, there was a sneaky pick. Their season win total was only like six. Uh, so I, I look at them as 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 getting it right, and and Bowman being a journeyman that he has been uh, is just an awesome story to see him have success. Uh, but I think that defense is is going to give up too many. So I'm going to take Oklahoma uh, plus uh, minus the points. Oklahoma has a middling rush defense. It's like mm -hmm. in the 50s somewhere. It's like three seven yards a carry. It's not good. Um, Oklahoma State has a terrible pass defense. And I think which one of those gives the most? I, I want to say Oklahoma uh, pass efficiency defense is 89th in, in the country. And again, some of that's the league you play in, and it's a byproduct of pace and all that stuff and pace of opponent and everything like that. But I, I really just feel like I don't have the conviction that Reese has, and I'm not going to try to, to, to do the Stanford Steve Needle thread here. So I am going to take Oklahoma – assuming they will be able to just pass the ball enough against a uh, a pedestrian secondary of Oklahoma State. Weather's going to be fine too. So that right, will, that'll, that'll certainly help that'll yeah. that'll help Oklahoma for sure. Dylan Dylan looked a little chilly last week in Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody did. Yeah. Woo! Man. Packers Packers scouts wouldn't have liked that. <laughs> All right, let's see what Missouri can give Georgia as they head to Athens. Georgia, a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. This kicks off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'll start with Steve and then go Pete and Reese. I said last week uh, that Georgia's through this four games, 
of of Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, and and Tennessee, they're going to be in a nail biter in one. Last week was not one of those. I do think this is the one. Uh, this uh, for the point spread people out there. I was flying home late Saturday night, and you know people start posting some numbers. This opened at eighteen and a half. And uh, I might have made a click on that one with the road team. Then, and at 15 and a half, I still think Missouri has the goods to frustrate. Uh, I know Stetson Bennett was was playing last year, and Missouri gave them all they could handle. The issue is, is Missouri doesn't really get to the passer, and you saw that against LSU. And that's what the dynamic of Jaden Daniels and why he's so good and why I think he's the Heisman front runner. You saw what he's capable in that circumstance when he knows the other team can't get to him, uh, whether it's with his legs or just being more accurate. So I believe Missouri can hold up on the back end and I believe they're going to, they're going to have some success. Uh, Georgia's secondary is really coming back to form, but I, I believe Missouri uh, can have success with some balance in what they've done. I think they've done a great job with the offense, the way they mix it up uh, multiple sets. And uh, I'm not, I don't. I, I'm not calling the the upset win, but I think 15 and a half is too much. I'm going to take Missouri. I uh, I'm going to I'm going to take the Stanford Steve Needle thread here and do and do the same thing. So entering this season, I thought Missouri would have one of the four best defenses in the SEC, and their offense was going to be a work in progress. And in reality, the the offense came right out and has played really well, and the defense has been a work in progress. But if you look at the past couple of weeks, how they played against Kentucky, how they really shut down South Carolina. The, the defense is where we thought it would be. Um, now, obviously, just the way Georgia scorched the turf in Jacksonville is is a little bit scary because um, I think Florida has a pretty good defensive front, although their secondary stinks. Um, so long way to say that I think Hopper and Rake Straw and some of those guys can slow down Georgia enough. Drinkwitz will be creative enough to move the ball a little bit. And uh, I mean, I just can't get out of my head that game last year where Georgia just couldn't move the ball, probably should have lost um, if, if you really look at it. So I just can't see a much better Missouri program just turtling on the on the stage. I think they go. I think they play. I think Drink brings a bag of tricks with him, and uh, they, they stay in this thing, and it's a game in the fourth quarter, and they cover. I don't put much stock in last year's game. Because last year it was at the stage, uh, I think we've talked about this a little bit, that I, I give you the benefit of the doubt. You're going to wind up flat at some point. Georgia, you know, was flat. They outscored them 14 to three in the second half. I like this Missouri team a lot. And the the corners that you that you mentioned, defensive players, uh, they've they've got the goods on defense to be really good. But LSU, LSU, you know, had their way with them largely. Here's where I think Missouri will play well. I think Drink will trick them at some point early, and they probably score a touchdown off of it. I wouldn't be surprised if Missouri has a lead. But 42-24 is a cover. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably where we're going to wind up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the dogs and lay the points, but it won't, it won't feel like an easy cover. Does that make sense? You know, I, I'm yeah, going to yeah. take I'm going to take Georgia yeah. laying the points, but it'll be in doubt about whether they cover all the way into the fourth quarter. And I say they finally uh, put a resilient Missouri team away, and I'll take the dogs. I was going to say this: if Georgia does put up forty plus and covers, put them at number one. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, hmm. I might want one more week. Okay. 
but I, I don't, I don't wholly disagree. I've already got them there. I can't really say anything. I, I already have them there. So, you know, yeah, I'm just <laughs> waiting on the pick. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on Michigan, you know, there so you yeah, that's all. We have an interesting one out here in the Big Ten West. Is it, is it interesting? <laughs> I think there's, there's some Come on. In, there's Come on. intrigue the around it. Intrigue around this game. Iowa, uh, Brian Ferencz-less Iowa, three-point favorite, headed to Northwestern, which beat up on a loser, loser Maryland team last week. So, And the, the total's 31, so that's fun. Is that Pete bitter alum? Steve. Is bitter alum Taylor allowed to come out on the podium? No way. I would never. I'm, I'm a journalist with a capital J, Pete. Did you hide all your like hideous yellow and black Maryland gear from like the mid two thousands after uh, after that performance last week? Oh, it's all in the trash. We took it out right. this morning. It's easy. <laughs> you know, Taylor, I really, as I was watching that game Saturday, the Maryland Northwestern game, I was like, "How did you miss such an obvious super dog that just that had, you know, early, early kick." Maryland, which is, you know, does that a little more, more often uh-huh. than most. And there's always like the odd game. It seems like the Northwestern has shown some improvement this year. It's always like the odd game that Northwestern gets up for and plays great Ohio state last year. I think all the weather helped a little bit there. Uh, the question I have here with the Iowa Northwestern game with it being played at Wrigley field is the wind blowing out. Do we know? With a wind is this a out? one-way game or did they fix it? No, I think, I think they, they fixed, fixed that. It. Okay, they fixed that. That's well, too that's bad. It, that was fun. <laughs> the, the the intrigue here, and you know, Brian Ferentz is going to finish up the season, but um, the intrigue here is not whether Iowa wins or covers. Is not whether Northwestern pulls the upset. The real intrigue here is will they score more than twenty-nine runs, which was the highest. Or 29 points to match the 29 <laughs> runs, which was the highest scoring game at Wrigley Field this year. Mm. I'm going to say they do not. I'm going to say they don't reach 29. You'll have a baseball game that outscored uh, Iowa and Northwestern. And um, boy, I don't like laying points with Iowa. Uh, <laughs> so I, you know what? So I'm not gonna uh, mm. give, me, give me the Purple Cats. Uh, give me the Purple Cats to win. Uh, no, I would say that give me the purple cats to lose five to three. <laughs> five three uh, final. I'm gonna I don't have much. I don't find intrigue in this game. I'm gonna say <laughs> Iowa wins seven three. Give me Iowa. <laughs> I'll uh I'll, I'll sparkle in a little analysis that uh some of Northwestern's recent uptick has come with Brendan Sullivan at quarterback. They've been starting mm-hmm. Ben Bryant, the Eastern Michigan slash Cincinnati transfer. He's been dealing with some injuries. So um for those uh masochists who are going to invest on this game. I would wait until Saturday morning for some clarity, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on uh, on that. That said, I just, I, I have too much faith in this Iowa defense. Uh, the teams at Northwestern, and look, David Braun deserves a ton of credit, right? They're sitting here at four and four. They won one game last year, right? And they lost a bunch of like their better younger players in the portal before the season started. He has done a heck of a job getting them, keeping them motivated. That thing, the wheels could have come off and they haven't. Uh, I think this will, this game will play out like we think it's going to play out. And I think Iowa, Iowa squeaks by. I'm going to go like it's a, you know, it's an Andre Ware at Houston game uh, for these guys and say that it's like 20 to 14. There, there's no way that anybody scores like 
seven or 14 or 17 or like some normal. <laughs> so you're number. calling a no touchdown game, Reese. No, no. I mean, there, we oh. might have touchdowns, but we're going to have something missed extra points, safeties. So it's going to be, they're going to be, there's going to be like a, an 18 involved or an 11 or something. I it's mean, a crooked number game. Still, yeah. It's like some kind of weird thing. Yeah. I love weird. All right, this next one I think is objectively interesting. James Madison, a five and a half point favorite at Georgia State, kicks off at three thirty p.m. Eastern time. Steve says no. We'll start with Reese, Steve, and then Pete. Well, the whole intrigue here is: does James Madison stay undefeated and mm-hmm. continue the storyline of in their second year of transition, not being allowed to compete uh, for the Sun Belt Championship or go to the postseason, absent some extenuating circumstances where they would backfill a bowl game or something? Um, James Madison is probably not quite what it was offensively last year, but they're still they're still really good on defense. I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm gonna take the Dukes to keep it rolling and uh, lay the points on the road. Yeah, I Tyler, this is way more interesting than Iowa and Northwestern. Just so you know, <laughs> um, Georgia State uh, off a loss to Georgia Southern, who I think is a good team last week. Uh, James Madison finally. Gave up over 100 yards rushing that last week. But Old Dominion, I think it took f- over 40 carries. They still only averaged like 3.2 uh, a carry in that game, but they got over 100. Georgia State loves to run the football. They're almost at 200 yards rushing a game. I Yeah, I can't do it, though. Uh, give me give me James Madison minus the points. Yeah, so I like the one highlight of my picks pod season was taking Georgia State when both you uh, you guys mm. took Marshall uh, a couple weeks ago, and I am in no danger of doing that again. I, I mean, Georgia State's scoring defense is sixty fifth, pass efficiency defense. They, they're just and they just gave up forty four to Georgia Southern. So I uh, they're on the bottom seven in the country in passing yards allowed. I just feel like. James Madison is good enough, dynamic enough to go into the uh, the Thunderdome down there in Atlanta and figure out a way to win by a touchdown. Next up, Kansas at Iowa State. Iowa State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. No respect to Kansas. That kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go Steve, Pete, and then Reese. Well, you have the unranked team favored versus a ranked team. So that's that's plenty of intrigue. I do have an Iowa State insider that offers this. My buddy Adam in Iowa. Past seven seasons, Iowa State is 17-3 and in Big 12 home games when the sun sets before or during the game, averaging a 22-point victory. 3-0 versus top 10 teams. Held opponents to 15 or fewer points 13 of the 20 games. I'll take Iowa State. Doesn't the sun set at like quarter to two? (laughs) (laughs) It's Um, not Pullman, but it's pretty close. Yes. (laughs) Um, Tip of the cap to Matt Campbell, who after losing to Ohio, Mm. beat Oklahoma State, which at the time didn't seem like that big of a deal and now seems like a really nice win. And then they've gone on to beat TCU, trounce to Cincinnati and kind of manhandle Baylor and they can. There was a there was a chaos scenario. Somebody presented it probably was Sicko's committee because it's in their wheelhouse. I don't remember who it was. Where the playoff was Air Force, Rutgers, Iowa State, and maybe Virginia Tech, something like that. Anyway, it was glorious. Uh, but Matt Campbell has sort of pulled himself up off the mat after uh after a couple lackluster seasons following their Fiesta Bowl uh appearance. They won that game, right? Did they beat oh, Oregon? Yeah, yeah yes, they won they that did. game. Yeah. So anyway, Matt Campbell was as hot as he ever could have been and got a little chilly. And now uh, 
And considering that they had some pretty, some pretty significant personnel losses from the uh, from the gambling scandal, uh, you know, tip of the cap there. They have they have cobbled together, figured it out, made some coordinator changes, the whole uh, the whole thing. That said, Kansas is winning. I mean, Kansas is going to cover. I'm I'm you know I am. I, oh no, wait, Kansas is getting points. I just I have too much faith in the bean man. Watching that mullet yeah. flow in the uh, flow in the breeze there. So mm. sun up, sun down, rock chalk. Man, I. I'm very wary for a lot of the reasons that Steve mentioned and not the least of which that last year uh, Iowa State would have won in Lawrence if not yes. for the field goal mishaps, which became uh, you know, a big part of the signage when we took college game day to Kansas shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, coming off that win against Oklahoma and then going there, I I really want to pick Iowa State, but I think Kansas is better. And it's only a field goal, so I'm going to I, I'm going to go with Kansas and say that at least Iowa State's part of that five way tie for first place in mm-hmm. the Big Twelve with Kansas being a game back. Um, Kansas, I'm going to say, keeps a two loss scenario alive for a team making the conference championship game. So I, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Jayhawks too and lay the two and a half. Washington, a three and a half point favorite at USC. This kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go, Pete, Reese, Steve. So two interesting sort of dips we're in the middle of. We're in the middle of uh, USC's defense dipping into uh, mind-bending places of giving up chunk plays. And when they're in the middle of watching Washington's defense go from electric to pedestrian over the past few weeks, uh, it's really, really simplistic to say that USC's defense will be the cure Washington needed. Um, I am really curious. They, they're pretty banged up at receiver right now in Seattle. Jalen McMillan left early again um, from the last game. I don't think Giles Jackson played in that game. Uh, and so it will be interesting to see if it is indeed the cure. Uh, USC's defense is the cure that everyone expects for uh, for Washington. But at this point, this falls in like the acid game category of if I take USC, I'm gonna, and then you know they give up 400 yards in the first half. It's like, well, of course they did. So I will believe a turn is coming there on the defensive end when I see it, and we really haven't seen it for two seasons now. So take Washington, cover, roll. I'm going to take Washington, too. Part of Washington's problem, in addition to health, and Michael Penix, I'm told, is feeling much better than he had really for the last week and a half. He you know, struggles to kind of um, – you know, do all the things he normally did because he'd been under the weather, but he's kind of uh, turned the corners, feeling much, much better. Maybe some of those guys will be back. The defensive thing that Pete mentioned, another problem for Washington has been turnovers, and USC mm-hmm. hasn't capitalized on turnovers the way it did a year ago. They were plus 21 to lead the nation last year. Mm-hmm. They're plus two this year. They've only un- intercepted six passes. And Washington in the last two games – is minus five in turnovers. I think Washington sort of does a better job taking care of the ball. I think that Penix will be himself. I think the Huskies uh, probably got their attention that people are questioning them after the last two weeks. But to be fair, they've earned the questioning against those two teams. If you're a national championship contender, can't have both of them. You can only have one. And they they played below standard Uh, significantly in each of the last two games that said I think there's I I mean I I really have a lot of respect for USC pulling that game out against Cal last week because it looked lost numerous times I think Washington uh, I think Washington's going to make a statement 
I'm going to take the Huskies and lay the points. Agree with all you guys said. I last week I I, I thought it was too much point, too many points for USC. Uh, I didn't. I I said Caleb was going to come back and and play great, and he did. Uh, I think he plays great in this scenario here. I think Penix plays great in this scenario here. Something just tells me when you talk to people that play against USC, the idea is to make USC tackle you. US Washington doesn't really do that. They throw the football down the field, and I. I just there's a sense to me that Caleb and 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 those guys can can score and I think they're more efficient than Washington and Penix will be great. I think USC's better on, on offense. I really uh, believe that, and I'm taking USC. You you have faith in that O line, Steve? Being a hand in the dirt guy, I do. I a lot. I mean, Reese touched on the turnovers, but that Washington defense. When you know you're off that Oregon game, they they showed up and won the game for them on a. You know, I don't know why coaches kick, hate kicking field goals, but Arizona State decided not to. And then last week, it, it, the defense was not good, not good against hmm. a, a Stanford team that had their best offensive day of the year. Uh, so I just look at the, the the crispness of USC's offense, I think, in, in the detail that they, they bring to the table. I think it's going to be a lot. And uh, Washington's been coasting these next couple of weeks. I think it's a wake-up call. Got the college game day game. The fellas here, they're going to be in Tuscaloosa. Reese has issued a challenge to the Bama fans. LSU is a three-point dog, Alabama three-point favorite. This kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern. Let's go Reese, Steve, and then Pete. Reese, how's that uh, challenge gone? Has your uh, challenge been challenged at all? We uh, I, we have uh, come up with some incentives. We have tried to incentivize the Greek community there uh, to show up and bring it. Because, as I said on the podcast Monday, they're going to need it in the game. Uh, LSU has had a uh, had much more success in big games in the state of Alabama against Alabama than they have when they play at home last year. Obviously, not notwithstanding, they've you know they've played well in in Tuscaloosa or dating years back in Birmingham. Why? I don't know. I talked to Jacob Hester about it this week. He goes, I don't know. He goes, we couldn't couldn't beat them, you know, very often in Baton Rouge, but you know, there there we played well. You know, I can't. Jaden Daniels has been sensational, and you know, I always laugh because people say, "Well, the mobile quarterbacks give Alabama's defense problems." A dual threat quarter. Well, who do they not give problems to? <laughs> you know, who is it that Cam Newton and Tim Tebow or uh, Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels, Johnny Menzel? Who do they not give problems to? Everybody. And Jaden Daniels is a major problem, and he's playing great. His numbers are similar to Joe Burrow's in his mm-hmm. Heisman year. He's yeah. got two absolute, uh, you know, studs at wide receiver. I think this whole game is decided by what type of game it is. If it is an up and down track meet, um, you know, like the LSU Missouri game this year or the LSU Ole Miss game this year, um, LSU is winning that game. Mm-hmm. But if Alabama can control the middle of the and get pressure in the middle and not be so afraid of him escaping that they that they don't really pressure him, then it's going to be a long day. I haven't been able to pick Alabama uh, correctly this year when, you know, I don't think they're going to win against Ole Miss. They they do. I thought they'd pull out of way against Texas. They didn't. And it's, it's hard to get a read on them. Uh, I think I picked Tennessee to cover and and mm-hmm. the Alabama won by 14. Um, yeah, on the other side, I'm interested to see if, if Harold Perkins 
makes an impact on this. He's got he's only got three sacks this year. And you know, he had more than that in a single game against Arkansas a year ago. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the home team, take the field goal and say they win a close one, but it's not gonna surprise me at all if LSU wins, especially if the game starts going up and down. Alabama doesn't have that on offense in my judgment, but I'll take uh, I'll take Alabama and, and lay the three. I uh I'm in a tough spot here because the way I do uh my tape watches, I'll I'll rip through one side of a team and I just got done with LSU's offense oh. and it's really hard. Now going into this, I said, I've said all the last two weeks, Bama, I, I like Bama in this matchup. And with that being said, Reese, you touched on it. The, the over under 60 and a half. If this game goes over LSU's winning, if it goes mm-hmm. under Alabama's going to win this game. I'm not in this camp of LSU's defense is fixed after playing Auburn and army. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just not there. And it's a lot like the Texas matchup. Texas dictated. They hit the balls over the top uh, of that Bama defense, and that's what you have to do. But I look at the improvements Alabama has made every single week. I like the matchup. I love the idea. You know, we talked about USC not being able to tackle guys. Alabama does that. They have they have guys at every level that are, that are really, really good defensive players and, and, and look like Alabama defensive players from the past. So, I think Alabama mucks it up. It keeps Jaden Daniels off that field with the run game. And uh, I'm going to take Bama plus the points. I mean, minus the points. Sorry. Yeah, I uh, I was ready to make the point that Reese made about Harold Perkins. And I'll double down with that with Mason Smith. You know, going into this season, remember, he was suspended for the, the Florida yep. State game. He was a guy that NFL people talked about being a top 15 type draft pick. And he has been... You know, in terms of being a disruptor, he has basically been a no-show this year. Um, and then Harold Perkins has been mediocre compared to the, you know, compared to that Arkansas game when he, you know, when he made his name. And I I do wonder now when history looks back at Perkins, if you remove that game from last season, he was very good, but he wasn't, you know, an, the electric monster we thought he would be coming into this year. So he's in a sophomore slump. Smith has just been mediocre at best and i just don't have faith in that defense like steve said so i think one of those two guys has to play like we thought they would play this year for lsu to go there and win and i am not going to take that i don't love the bama offense but i like saving in these kinds of games at home so uh until lsu has proven it's fixes defense that's uh that's where we are we didn't even mention the brian kelly versus tommy reese either that's we fascinating did not. to me it's yeah i have a I have a, there's a, a mutual friend of theirs that when that hire was made, so he told me, he said, uh, uh, Saban just wanted Brian's playbook. (laughs) (laughs) So there, yeah, there's a, there's a little, there's a little intrigue there. And then, you know, BK blunt as he always is, has, you know, has said plenty, you know, not, not in a bad way, but just about beating Alabama and signifying the arrival and so forth. Things like that tend to get noticed and, and remembered. And, uh, the boss in Tuscaloosa gets wound up for this one. He just does. He likes to he likes to downplay it. You understand it because he's got great relationships and lifelong friends from the very special time in Baton Rouge. Twenty years ago, they won a national championship. Uh, you know, twenty year anniversary of that LSU title team. That'd be a you nice know. mention during the game on the board. Yeah, yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I don't know. They won't know what to do. They'll want to cheer. Exactly, exactly. That's what I said. The team you did do it, it with. Do it during the light show. That, yeah. That'll be perfect. <laughs> 
Last game for today, UCLA, a two and a half point favorite at Arizona, Pac-12 after dark. This kicks off at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll start with Steve, then go Pete and Reese. Yeah, this is a fascinating matchup, guys. Um, Love what both staffs have done with their personnel uh, pertaining. You know, UCLA's strength is defense. uh, Arizona's is offense. I do like some of the personnel on Arizona's defense. The difference to me is I can't stand the UCLA quarterback situation, and I love the Arizona quarterback situation. Give me the home team again at home late night in Tucson. It's going to get weird. I'll take Arizona plus the points. I'll I'll echo the weird. We can always root for uh, we can always root for weird. Um, I mean, no one has said anything formally about Noah Fafita, but at this point, if he's not starting, that huh. there, there would be something seriously wrong. I mean, he has been a revelation. Kind of your classic guy who like probably would have been recruited higher if he was like six three and looked like he should be a uniform model. But boy, man, that kid can ball, and he's done it week after week. And again. You don't get merit badges in major college football for close losses, but he certainly had a few of those. And now that he's had a few wins, um, it looks like, you know, Jed Fish has a centerpiece for the future. That said, I just think talent-wise, I'm not sold that Arizona's at the class of UCLA right now. So I think Chip with Garbers is going to figure it out. He's going to slow it down. It's going to be a low-scoring game. And I think the uh, I think the Bruins go there and, and win and cover. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I, I'm really glad to hear you say that because – uh, I know Arizona's the flavor of the moment, but mm. I just I like their I like their offense so much, and I like the fact that they've been able to build on games. It hasn't been like, well, we we rose up, we played Washington tough. Well, then they did it again against SC, you know, and then they, uh, you know, then they're able to blow out Wazoo when you figured, okay, now they're going to go on the road and it'll all come crashing down and it'll be too much. And then the the game against Oregon State. Um, was really impressive because I think Oregon State's really good. Yep. Um, you know, and I thought that was a an excellent win for the Wildcats. And you know, I'm I'm going to take Arizona. I'm going to take Arizona at home and uh, with Fafita and McMillan, who I who I really like, and I think they'll find a way to win because UCLA UCLA just seems to sputter a lot, turn the ball over, had yeah. some of the problems. And I just um, I. I think I think Chip is holding that together with uh, duct tape and bailing wire, and he's doing a great job with it. But mm-hmm. Arizona seems to have a little bit of a rhythm. I think Jed Fish knows the overtime rules. He might need to know them again because I figure this is going to be a close game. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Wildcats. That's all we got. All right, that's all up. we got. That's no. it. That's it. That's only eleven games. <laughs> only eleven. Boy, that's a real opportunity for Thamel to make a comeback by picking eleven games. I mentioned that to Tyler before. Did you? Yeah. Just a leaving the door open. Just keep yeah. leaving the door open for the yeah. guys. Baseball <laughs> playoffs. Let's let's like get more teams in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> guys, look forward to seeing you in Tuscaloosa. It's going to be a great morning. A great. Saturday of games for the first Saturday in November. We'll get a little more shaping, perhaps even uh, a little clarity on the picture as we shape up on this college football playoff race. Thanks for listening to the College Game Day podcast. Ask you to subscribe, download it wherever it is that you like to get your podcast. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll talk next time.